Hello and Merry Christmas from the British Sitcom History Podcast. My name is Alan, with me as always is Gareth. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> there you go, yes, and uh, it is our Christmas special. And so we're revisiting a, um, a show that we looked at recently. Time Gentlemen, please, the uh, Al Murray vehicle. So, Time Gentlemen, please, when we covered this in our last series, there were there were two series that were on Sky that Richard Herring sort mm. of wrote them at a ferocious pace. And we talked about how he was sort of grabbing onto anything for ideas and themes. And one of yes. those themes was, oh, we can do a Christmas episode. The Christmas episode, it went out on Christmas Day. There's a New Year's episode. There was mm. a Bonfire Night episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did it all. They hit everything they could, yeah. This was... A Christmas special, and it is a proper Christmas special. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about Christmas specials in the sitcom world because for me, there's a definite delineation between a special that is set at Christmas, yeah, and is about Christmas and dealing with all the themes that brings that comes with that that we can all identify with, mm. and just a special episode that they put out out yeah. of series that happens to go out in the Christmas period. Just because, because the schedule is around to... Up and, yeah, yeah. They, need, they, need, they need a big headline show to put on BBC One on Christmas Day. I'm looking at you only, Fools and Horses. <laughs> yeah. And, there, and this episode of this series was just part of the series that happened to be going out at Christmas. So in that sense, it's not a special. It's not a Christmas special. It's just a Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Time Gentlemen Please had the clout to be doing a feature-length special. <laughs> what about what about sitcoms that have an episode that is set at Christmas, but not really about Christmas? I'm going to call it the Die Hard special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... I think that's when you know it's going out around Christmas, so you're like, you have to acknowledge it, but you can't really be bothered to write it. So yeah, it's just like, yeah, there's yeah. some tinsel in the background or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the, the TV schedules in general, in, in Britain anyway, they kind of get all messed up at Christmas. So if you're going out every Friday night at 9.30pm or whatever, mm. it's going to get messed up because it drops on Boxing Day and they've got the big film yeah. on or, or something like that. So you either have to embrace it or... Well, what they do is not really put series that go over those dates. Yeah, a lot of in the old days, the the, the series would finish just before Christmas. The week before Christmas would be the final yeah. episode of the series, wouldn't it? So the schedules would yeah. work that way. So you'd have a whole special Christmas schedule with those one-off episodes and the films and all the all, you know the Christmas telly, and then in the new year, new series would start. Yeah, but that means you get these drop-in specials like. Mm you know, one foot in the Algarve or something like that that is not set at mm. Christmas at all. Feature-length specials. Yeah, only Fools and Horses, they did feature-length specials, uh, along t- for, but not Christmas-based ones. Although they have done Christmas-based yeah. episodes when they were doing the earlier series, which we, 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 we talked up. about one of them in our episode. Well, we because met Del Boy's when, dad. Yeah. So how do you feel about this? For, for my money, if you're doing a Christmas special, set it at Christmas. Stop messing about. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I think I, I, you've you've delineated clearly between the two um, types of Christmas special. I think there is room for that special, slightly longer, let's call it feature length episode, even if it's not Christmas related. I think it's still good that they exist. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I, I'm not like a I'm not really a Christmas guy. I'm not a no, massive I'm not. fan of Christmas. But that's that's why it's ripe for comedy fodder. But also, <laughs> because... look, we're going to get into this episode in a minute, right? And uh, just f- f- for listeners, it's series one, episode 16, Bar Humbug. But please spell Bar B-A-R, because that's the joke, yeah. right? Bar Humbug. <laughs> Without w- jumping ahead into this episode, there's a little bit where we, we touch on the, the Christmas Carol, uh, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge type story. And he undercuts it by saying, no, 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 we all know the story. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of made me think, yeah, if you're going to do a Christmas special, there aren't that many options for your, where are you going with this story? You know, there are, there are tropes that have all been done. We're talking about a bit of redemption, a miserable character, you know, the Scrooge arc. We're talking about kids getting presents. We're talking about Christmas dinner. Yeah, there are all of the Christmassy, Christmassy tropes that we all know. And it's really difficult to do something original with. Yeah, but it's also such a, well, I was going to say universal theme, but certainly in terms of your intended audience of a British viewing audience, hmm. Christmas is something that, the vast majority of them are going to be able to relate to. Mm. Even if you're not religious or, or, or anything like that, it's it's like that idea of all family coming together, the tensions that come from that, the, the crap telly, people wearing stupid paper hats, mm. you know, all that stuff that is kind of 
so identifiable for so many like there's so much there to play with i'm seeing a parallel here between you know we talked before when we talk about the sitcom movies where you know the, the cliche is it's on the buses on holiday mm. and maybe there's there's an element of that here which is on the buses at christmas time gentlemen please at christmas mm. and it's kind of yeah it's a nice it's a different environment in which to see our, our favorite characters but again i just I, I think the same about the the movies where we see the people on holiday it's like what are you actually going to do with this there doesn't seem to be any original thought here yeah i suppose you can do you can do one christmas where the trotters are stuck at home with each other and they're bored and the mm. crackers are all crap whatever but then what do you do next year yeah if you want yeah. to do another christmas special and perhaps let's just not do that many <laughs> that's okay yeah. do it once that's fine <laughs> yeah so i think i'm i'm coming out I'm co- I think I might be coming out against the Christmas episode here. I don't think it gives us anything new. It gives us anything original in general. And I'm sure there are many exceptions to the rule. You know, I'm sure there are some excellent examples, but it just feels a little bit well-trodden, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably true. It's interesting that I think, you know, you could watch the Christmas episode of Till Death Was Do Part, and it's mm. a family bickering around a turkey. And you would do the exact same thing with my family in 2009 mm. or, you know, whatever's on now. I, don't, yeah. don't, I literally don't know any sitcoms that are on now. <laughs> um, but you have ghosts bickering around a ghost turkey or whatever, right? So, well, listen, I, I, I love ghosts. We've talked about ghosts before. It's my go-to example of a good modern sitcom. But you're right. I don't know if they have done a Christmas special, but that would be it. And, and I would say the same thing. Oh, God, we've seen this. It's just the same thing. But is that a nice thing that some things don't change and that's maybe maybe you you're you're a man who loves nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not forget we are brothers. Let's not um, forget so that. <laughs> we are our, our, our sort of Christmas experience and that whole idea of family Christmas is we have a similar uh, we have a shared viewpoint here or yeah. a lot of it is anyway. I don't know where you're going with this cuz <laughs> cuz I'm conscious that our mum listens to this. <laughs> Well, I, as you as you sort of alluded to earlier, I I don't think our family does a big. It's not a big Christmas thing. We get we'll get together or sometimes or not. But she's definitely not going to like that. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I remember as kids, you know, it was a big thing, you know, as you expect. But as we've as as adults and with you've got kids, our sister's got kids. You're doing it for them, and so a mm. load of adults getting together. It's just an excuse to get together and and see each other, and that's fine. But mm. the the Christmas element of it is very secondary. It's yeah, like none of us care about that. I suppose you're right. And you know, if if we're talking about bringing it back to sitcom, that excuse to get everyone in a room, you don't need that in a sitcom mm. because that's the situation. That's we always have our people in a room. That's that's how we view them. And in fact, and as we will see in this show that we're looking at now, sometimes it is quite a tortured <laughs> experience to make them all be together. In it. Because if it's not a family set sitcom, it's like a uh-huh. work set sitcom, it's not really natural for them all to be together on Christmas Day. <laughs> so with that in mind, let's get into the episode. Yeah, so we have a, just we, the way we're going to do this, we've already covered Time Gentlemen, please. So if you want to hear our deep dive on that, go back and uh, and search for that on our YouTube page or on your podcatcher. So we know we're not going to we're not going to talk in too much depth about the main cast uh, and characters. There are some guest stars in this that we'll talk about, but generally speaking, we're just going to kind of go through the episode. So how do we start, Alan? So we, we start uh, all the episodes start with a little sort of skit of him throwing someone out of the pub or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they 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 put a little Christmassy twist on that. It's a, uh, it's a lovely a bit of nativity one. shenanigans. Yeah, heavily pregnant woman. And this is again, if we start to talk about the cliches of things you're going to hit for mm-hmm. comedy fodder, number one, yeah, a pregnant woman, a pregnant woman turning up <laughs> out of the blue, going, "Oh, have you got anywhere for me to stay?" But what I do like about this, at least we are, it is actually an inn. <laughs> there is no room at the inn. <laughs> And obviously just tells them to sod off. <laughs> the guy goes, honestly, mate, I didn't touch her. Yeah, likely story. <laughs> yeah, very good. And then we, we're straight into the next scene, which is inside the bar. And we've got some sort of establishing Christmasiness, haven't we? Is there a bit of tinsel on the bar or something? They haven't made it's a, a really crap, <laughs> really rubbish um, tr- Christmas tree. Very, yeah. very lame uh, tinsel around the place. And Steve's got a Christmas hat on. But that's that. I think that's in keeping with the the mm-hmm. the, the pub landlord wouldn't really. Uh, he wouldn't want to push the boat out. He wouldn't commit to the the Christmas thing. 
But yeah, the the pub is still as empty as ever. It's just the regulars. Well, it's more empty because the regulars aren't there. So Terry yeah. and the prof are both uh, missing. Uh, but we've got the old man who's actually, he, he moves himself into Terry's seat. It's like without Terry and pro- the prof there, he sort of moves up the social hierarchy of the pub. <laughs> and he gets into the, the, the good seat that Terry normally occupies. We've got Janet, our Australian barmaid, who is yep. flirting with her boyfriend, Alex Lowe, incidentally. We'll talk about him in a second. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, am I right in thinking that this is... This character appeared in a previous episode. He's not brand new in this episode, It right? was in the previous episode. So this okay. is a hangover from the previous episode. Again, it's not really explained. If you, Which is one thing we discussed when we talked about this series of how it became uh, these overarching plots that they were using to just to create these the narrative rather than trying to do these episodic ideas. We have quite a bit of that. And so, yeah, Alex Lowe's character was established in the previous episode in which he is a policeman who were, they had the place bugged because there was drug dealing going on. But he mm. used the information he heard uh, to, uh, because he fancied Janet. Like okay. he, he found out information about her and used that to, to wile his way into her Right, so we heart. find that out at the end of this episode, uh, sort of the punchline to the episode, one of the punchlines. And, and it, it, it kind of, if you haven't seen the, the previous episode, which I haven't, it, it didn't really make sense, but I, I kind of got it. I got the gist. Yeah. But the, the, in terms of the comedy of the situation, it's that, uh, yeah, he's now going out with Janet and he sees Steve as a threat. But Steve, Steve doesn't want Janet, but Steve doesn't like him either. Mm-hmm. It's a very sort of muddled love triangle. That yeah. They have going yeah. On. yeah tell, tell me about Alex Lowe, because he's one of those people who um, has been in lots and lots of things once or twice. You know, he's, he's mm. a kind of guest star in lots of things, isn't he? He's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell, tell me a bit more about Alex Lowe. Well, that's about it, really. I mean, he's just—he's <laughs> been buzzing around for twenty odd years, doing little one-off episodes. I think the most memorable thing he's ever done, at least to my um, my viewing, is uh, the episode of Phoenix Nights he's in, where he plays Clinton Baptiste. The, that's uh, right. That's where the, I med- know his the face medium. Debbie, Debbie's been—you have, haven't you, love? You've been very poorly, and it's not been easy, has it? And it is terminal, isn't it? No, no. Uh, which was like a year after this. So this is kind of very early in his TV career. It was like not late nineties or two thousands where he started getting these bit parts, and then. But he still he still tours. He still tours as Clinton Baptiste. He, you know, you can go and see him live. Yeah, so I don't know if that was that an established character that he then. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was written for that. I'm not sure if it was written for Phoenix Knights, but you know, if you you think if it was written for Phoenix Knights, this guy's just an actor. So who's who's actually writing the material for his live shows? Is he doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Hello, everyone. Editing Alan here. Um, I looked into this a little bit further, and I listened to the commentary on that particular episode of Phoenix Knights. And the creatives there, you know, Neil Fitzmaurice, Peter Kay, etc., they are talking about specific lines they wrote for that character, and there's no mention of it being a pre-existing character. Although they do also mention that Alex Lowe ad-libs a few lines, and he's obviously bringing a lot of character and physicality to that that's not going to be on the page. So, don't think it was a pre-existing character, but obviously Alex Lowe has taken that on and made it his own. Alright, back to the episode. The only sort of regular role that I could find in a sitcom was Fun at the Funeral Parlour, which was 2001-2, which yeah, I vaguely I remember watching at the time. It's all Welsh, um, but um, I don't I don't recall um, specific details about it. But that's the only thing that I could find that was really like, oh, he's in basically most of the episodes of this, rather right. than just popping in for one or two. But yeah, yeah very much a recognisable face and like does a lot of sketch comedy as well, so you just sort of see him yeah. in things and... Yeah, and always a good presence. Uh, it's just funny that he's never quite found a solid role. But the character then, so we've got this uh, undercover policeman who's uh, who's a real spunk rat, which is... That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> which, that, that struck me as that, that was a line written by someone who watched Neighbours in, uh, in the late 80s. <laughs> I remember at school talking to people in the playground about yesterday's Neighbours when someone said, he's a real spunk. <laughs> that was an absolutely scandalous material. <laughs> I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? If you said I had a beautiful body, I'd let you shake me. <laughs> and I'd say you need your eyes testing. Wreck off, Hempster Nuts. Do you like hospital food? I prefer Thai, if you're asking me out. But... 
<laughs> which that's a great line. It's that's a very Richard Herring line. That yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is quite a nice Richard Herring style line. It's, but what I really like about that is the the setup for it is so unnatural. Like someone actually yeah. saying in real life, "Do you like hospital food, mate?" <laughs> Especially that character who is not like being an aggressive dickhead man. It's just <laughs> it, it doesn't work at all. But that's. I think, if anything, that's Richard Herring's writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tortured setup for a yeah. good punchline. <laughs> so now we get the arrival of our of the other regulars. The prof arrives first, and he, he's angry because he's got to spend Christmas Day with his overbearing mother. Yeah, so that his his sort of background is his religious zealot mother. So obviously, Christmas is a. And have we have we come across her before? She pops up a few times. Yes, I don't think this is the first time we've seen her. Yeah. All right, so well, we'll we'll, we'll come back to her because you know, mm, spoiling the episode here, we will see her uh, later on. So yeah, the prof arrives, sits down, gets a drink, and then Terry arrives mm. with uh, Phil Daniels arrives with great fanfare. He's he's dressed mm-hmm. as Santa. Now that is what I call a carol service. <laughs> Lovely girl, that carol. <laughs> Classic gag alert: Cro- uh, mistletoe above the crotch, kiss Brilliant. under the mistletoe. Brilliant. Okay. I wonder how many times that's been done because I, I can't yeah. think of very specific things, but I know I've seen it. I'm sure that I did that on bottom. Yeah, um, <laughs> just a crass, any crass sitcom they've done that. Yeah, yeah, well, a crass character like uh, like Terry. And we talked when we did Time Gentlemen, please. I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Terry. I don't. He seems mm, to be, he seems to be a very Everyone popular character, Terry. but yeah. I don't like it. It's a bit much. Uh, now we get a little bit of foreshadowing here. We get a bit of a mention of uh, the Govs bullying mother. Which I don't think she's ever been mentioned before, so like, okay, we better so set this character up quickly. Right, okay. because... And the Gov says, uh, fortunately, I take after my father. And the old man says, whoever that was. <laughs> yeah, which, which, that which is, is a recurring that was joke. a long-running plot, which they do eventually um, come to a conclusion on that one. But who is the, mm. who is the Gov's dad? That's quite a nice... See, I, I quite like that as a running theme, as just yeah. his back, character background. Actually, this episode is real character background stuff. Yes, I think it is, yeah. I, I think they and I think there's a lot of this is being established here on the fly <laughs> to, to create this mother character. Yeah. Do you think they keep a you know a black book of pub landlord law, <laughs> the pub landlord bible? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next, we get Greg Thompson. We get a, a lovely appearance from Mark mm. Bannerman as well, the Greg Thompson, pleasure. the rival uh, landlord. <laughs> oh dear, slops! Is that a weed on your bar? Oh, my mistake, it's your Christmas tree. <laughs> laugh, laugh, everyone, at Mr. Thompson's witticism. Yeah, personally, I've got a 50-footer. And my Christmas tree's pretty big and all. <laughs> I'm implying I've got a massive cock. A real hit-and-run scene. Yeah, get great. in, do your, do your catchphrase, get out. <laughs> I, I, I really liked it. Yeah, it is, it is a fun character, and I think it is best used sparingly. Yeah. Like this. Um, although, actually, when they do involve him in plots, it, it generally works, and it's a nice little thing. So, um, I think we need to get into the actual meat of the episode, which is the mum story. Yeah. And it, it begins with a very, and I, I think deliberately weak handling of a phone call. We we talked this briefly, if you remember, on our Dear John episode, because... John, in that, did a lot of talking to himself and a lot of talk one-sided conversations on the phone. Yeah. And we talked about how to do that well or not. We th- I think uh, Victor yeah. Meldrew always does it quite well. This is deliberately, I think, <laughs> bad. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> what? The home's burnt down. Oh, God, my mother, she, she's... Ah, she's, oh, bollocks, she's all right. <laughs> I, I would like to think that is knowingly bad <laughs> yes so the phone call yeah yeah it sets up he's gonna have to take care of his mother yeah so he's got his yeah, mum yeah, for yeah. christmas that's the setup but then he passes out he faints so shocked as he is with uh with this news and that that is deliberately bad because <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic wibbly wobbly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and which sets up your classic christmas carol parody a ghost of Christmas past comes up. It's the oldest character, a regular character in the show. Obviously, they're the Christmas past. The old man. Been done a million times. And to their credit, immediately call it out. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the gov just goes, yeah, yeah, we get it. All right. It's Christmas Carol. Come on, get on with but it. But they do completely undercut it because I thought this was going to be a whole 
they're going to do Christmas Carol. And they don't. Mm. We, we, we do the Ghost of Christmas Past, and that's it. Like, we, we yeah. do see the Ghost of Christmas Present and Future, but we, we don't continue with the Christ, yeah. Christmas Carol theme. The moral of the story is not him changing, like, or becoming a better, Like, he's not the one who's the problem in this particular case. And I guess that's the idea. That's the undercut. You go, oh, we're going to show you Christmas from the past. And it turns out it's not your fault. It's your mother's fault. <laughs> yeah, there's an element of redemption for the gov here because we can see why he's like he is. And we, we flash back to 1972. In this little sequence here, the gov mentions that he's 32 years old. That means he was born in 1968. So mm-hmm. it's all very specific dates here. Flash back to 1972. Gov's four years old. And we have Jenny Eclair as his mum. Yes. Should we talk about Jenny Eclair? Yeah, let's do that. And then we'll come back and talk about these flashback sequences because we've got stuff yes. to talk about there. Let's talk so about Jenny Eclair. We see her as younger here. Then later on, she turns up as his mom and she's aged up a bit. But uh, I want to ask you about Jenny Eclair because you're mm. a bit older of a generation that you might remember. Because I know Jenny Eclair is a stand-up comedian. Like that is her sort yeah. of, or was her primary thing. I don't think I've ever seen her do stand-up. And she's certainly not someone who's still doing it 20 years later, you know? No, no, but she did. She did. So the, the first thing I ever saw uh, Jenny Eclare in was, in fact, I, there's a story here, because I went to see this being filmed. It was a program called Packet of Three. Frank Skinner. And it was, yeah, it was Frank Skinner, Jenny Eclare, and Henry Normal. And the setup was, it was a, th- a theatre, the Crumpsall Pavilion, I think, if I'm remembering rightly. It was a theatre in Manchester, and we saw, it was like a variety show. So we saw the acts and they would have a, a couple of comedians come in and do their a five minute act. But then we also saw a sitcom element of the behind the scenes. And Frank Skinner played like the, the janitor of the theatre or something. Mm. And even though it was set in a Manchester theatre, it was actually filmed in the Wakefield Opera House oh, Theatre Royal, really? which, is, which is oh, our local theatre. So, so I went to see two or three of these episodes being filmed when I was at school. And uh, I just looked it up. It was 1991. It went out. So this was the first time I'd ever seen Frank Skinner. And he was like, he did the warm up as well. He was brilliant. You know, you could clearly tell this guy is going to be big. 91. Was that the year he won the Perrier? I think so yeah. he certainly wasn't well, exactly. It, it, a, a, it was. But if you were 15 and you only watched telly, I had no idea who was in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. Henry Normal was a performance poet, and he went on to be—he's a writer, he's a producer, he's a producer, and he's—you know—he's a—he's yeah. a, he's a big—he's um, a big figure in British comedy. But uh, I, I, I didn't like—I don't—I'm not really a big fan of performance poetry. That's not really my thing. So I was kind of like, oh, he's all right. And Jenny Eclair was a stand-up. She did. She didn't do stand-up in that, but she was kind of that outrageous female. That cliche back then in the late '80s, like Joe Brand, you know where. Mm women who say the unsayable type thing. So that was her, that was her kind of, the, the character that she portrayed. Hi, old Jen, where you been? I've been as sick as a pig all day, Frank. I chucked up this morning on my way to work. Fortunately, it was raining and most people had their umbrellas up. Still, I should have stopped my moped and apologised, really. Does my breath smell? Ah, better than usual. It's all right for you. Being sick's your hobby, but I'm never sick. But I, I mean, I, I, re- I was reading about her early career. It said she came through as a punk poet as well. So oh, it was like a lot of that. But there is a real punk mentality to Jenny Eclair, actually. And I, sure. And she's the right age for that. You know, she was she was born in 1960. So, yeah, a teenager in the late 70s. Mm. Like, that's punk era. Yep. And it feels like she's got that mentality, like, right through everything she's done, where she's you kind of say, say the unsayable. Yeah, she was always very exactly. chaotic. She was one of those people who would turn up on a chat show and you'd be, you'd be, oh God, what's she going to, you know, that, that was her, that was her, not her character. That was her, her, her demeanor. But in a, in a way that was controlled enough that it felt safe, you know, it's mm. not like inviting Oliver Reed onto a chat show or something, sure. you know, we really don't know what could happen. I think that's quite a nice furrow to tread being a, a kind of anarchic, yeah. <laughs> voice yeah. within uh, the BBC's uh, language rules. <laughs> sure. And again, I, I can't say I've seen that much of what she does, but mm-hmm. I, I know more as a personality of Jenny Claire rather than this is her stand-up. This yeah, is I think her, you're right there. I think you're right. She's, she's a loose woman, isn't she? You know, she's she's that sort of that, grumpy that sort old of panelist. Woman, grumpy old woman, yeah. So you, she, and she's very good at, in that format. You know, she's very good at, here's an opinion, I will deliver it in a funny way. And she's also felt like, to me, and I don't 
quite know why this is, but like an elder stateswoman of comedy rather than, yeah. and I guess she was not that much older than those of the, the kids that were coming through in the early mm-hmm. 80s. She's the same age as like the types of, you know, your Rowan Atkinson or whatever. Jenny Claire hasn't done much acting, and most of that, most of it is stuff like this, where she obviously knows the people yeah. involved, and they just brought her in for it as a guest. She she's written some novels as well, but but like, I guess what I'm what I'm asking is like, how does she how has she made a living for the last thirty years? Like, what exactly does she do? If you ask me, what does she do these days? I would probably say, oh, she, I think she writes novels now. I think that's what she does. Mm. And like the grumpy old women thing, that that had a big mm. life, and it had a theatrical life as well as on TV mm. and all that sort of. And she was a big part of that. So maybe maybe she's a bit more active behind the scenes as well like maybe she's got some producing kind of vibes going on but um and not everything people do are like that obviously visible you know so it's just hard to judge but yeah if you if you if you just sort of look at her cv you think you know like what's the reputation because i feel i feel like people still know who jenny eclair is definitely she's she's certainly a personality she's certainly a, a you know a person that we know Okay, well, let's, talk, let's go back into the episode and talk about these flashbacks. So, there's a couple of quick scenes. Firstly, we see the pub landlord as a, as a small child, uh, and he, he sort of walks in on his mum, and she's, she's got someone under the covers. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's Uncle Barry, but that's, that's largely by the by. Uh, then we have another scene. So, the old man, as the ghost of Christmas past, says, oh, I've messed mm-hmm. this one up. This is a bad example. Let's find another one. So we cut to another scene where uh, the pub landlord, as a child, is he's wearing his mum's clothes and he's putting makeup on. No, son, yeah. you you are never confused. So we get a little <laughs> bit of uh, backstory on that. Then we get a third, and then, and then we we also get the running setup that that his mother was sleeping with everyone. Yeah. Uh, so oh sure. In that, in the... So 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 Terry comes in. Is that Terry or is that supposed to be Terry's dad? No, it's supposed to be Terry. Yeah, I think oh, okay. he's just in his. What glam rock? Yeah, so he's wearing a glam rock outfit because yeah, <laughs> apparently it's the nineteen seventies. I love you, mummy. Well, I don't love you. <laughs> Not after what you did to my fanny. Oh, I'll leave it. Eh? Oh, come on, Terence and Matt and Matt, eh? Oh, I suppose so. I never thought of it like that before. Yeah, and she teaches him his catchphrase, which is yeah, a mouth to mouth. <laughs> But that does feel like a very sort of Jenny Eclair type line, doesn't yeah, it? That, that, that kind of attitude, like that, uh, <laughs> just being really nasty to a child. <laughs> so third flashback, which is um, the pub landlord as a as a teenager, and he's dressed 1979, in nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy nine. He's dressed in funeral clothes, and his dad's just died, and he's not happy because she's not come down for the funeral. And then we open the wardrobe and there's the prof. So mm. all of our regulars have had relations with the Gov's mum. Yes. Now, so that's the that's kind of the, we get these three scenes of, of, of flashback, if you like. But mm. I think we've got a bit of a tangent coming here because mm. when I watched this episode, which is on YouTube, then oh, all Al the, Murray's official YouTube, so it is like yeah, so it's yeah, official. it's official material. It's not just like some ropey copy. Now, in all three of those flashbacks, the young Gov is played by Al Murray in in, mm. in three different outfits. And you know, and it, and that works with the tone of the comedy. It's obviously ridiculous. It's a six foot three man playing a four year old. He's and he's sure. doing. It's got a high pitched voice, but it's in keeping with the comedy of That's what fine. we we see in the show. But it's, it's all fine. you it sent me. A different version. So tell us about this different version that you found. Yes. Yeah, so when I was watching, I didn't. When we watched this first time around, I didn't pick up on this. But the DVD version, mm. these scenes, the same script and everything, but they have child actors playing mm. the the child Gov, and are the same scenes, but filmed obviously completely differently. Yeah. Why is that? Well, so in these, so you sent me this. So I watched them. So you got exactly the same script. You've got the child actor playing Junior Gov, and then you've got the old man and the Gov as, as ghosts in the room observing. Mm. Whereas in the other version, Al Murray plays the, the child, and you've got this kind of crappy CGI of, of the Gov and the old man. Them, them yeah, superimposed in, inside the room, which is obviously a solution to having Al Murray in it twice. So which came first? Exactly. So what is it? I've... I've... I've looked into it a bit. I haven't found the answer. Like, I'm a bit spoiler. I don't know. But here's some thoughts. Here's some things mm. I've picked up on. Let's see if we can work something out. Okay. So they obviously wanted to film this in front of a studio audience. But 
they can't do that because they need Al Murray playing two different roles, himself yeah. and the younger version of himself, right? So what I think they've done is they filmed those sections previously with Al Murray in the costumes and everything. Not to yeah. mention there'd be a very quick costume change. So like they've filmed all that yeah. previously. And then in the live recording, they've played that to the studio audience and had the gov and the old man talking over the top of it. Which they filmed and then superimposed. And, and the way it's filmed, it's very static. Yeah. Uh, like it's just a still shot and it doesn't look that good. And it's because they know exactly where they're going to superimpose these people. So they need to keep a still camera and a, a, and a, like a nice little blank space in the corner where they can put them. And so when they go, when they disappear and the scenes carry on a little bit just to have a gag, that's when the camera starts moving. Mm-hmm. So just on a practical level, that's why it looks a bit crap. <laughs> so why have, they seen, why have they filmed it again with another actor? They've obviously got those child actors in to do it. So first thing I picked up on, the set is different. Okay. It's the same room and everything, but the little ornaments and lamp and stuff in the background to set the scene, totally different. Same in each sort of section of that filming block, uh-huh. if you know what I mean. Like the, the one with all the kids in, it's the same. But it's different. So it's not just they thought on the day, oh, let's do an alternate version and yeah. keep our options open. They have gone back at another date and, and so there's some problem that they've, they've then gone, right, we need to fix that. So what is it? How much longer later, do you think? Because it's for the DVD version, is that? Well, it, it's it's got to be within the filming block of the show. Mm. So it's got to okay, be within sure. the, a few. And they were only filming this stuff like a week ahead of it going out, you know? Yeah. So it, it could have literally been in the next week's filming block. Like, oh, we need to change this. But if something was so wrong with the original version, why did they put both out? Exactly. So that's the second question is, how have they both ended up out there? Mm. So obviously the one on the DVD, which is the one with the kids, is the sort of accepted version. And that's the one they want for posterity. Yes, exactly. And I th- I think that's the one that went out. Okay. So TV. why has Al Murray on his YouTube page got so the So how has Al version? Murray got a copy of the original one that he's put out? Is that, did he get that at the time? And he was only recently allowed to put it out for whatever legal reasons. I don't know why Al Murray has put all this stuff out on his YouTube channel anyway. Like, legally speaking, that seems like a weird thing mm-hmm. that you don't see very often. But it's Sky, it's not the BBC. Who, so, yeah, like, was yeah. there some deal like, you own the character and you're going to own the rights to this at a certain point? Mm. Does Sky just not care and they bought it for a cut price rate in the same way that Richard Herring, they bought the Fist of Fun rights yeah. so they could put it out on DVD, stuff like that. I don't know. I don't quite know what the situation would be. And it just seems a weird thing. But how come he's got a different version to what went out on the DVD? It's not as simple as like, oh, that scene's just been chopped out. The credits have changed as well. In the end credits, the two little boys are credited oh, or okay. not appropriately. Right. So it must have been done at the time when... The, because Al Murray hasn't done that on his computer and changed the credits, you know? No. So what is what is that? It's weird, isn't it? What's going on? <laughs> Well, maybe maybe last time when we put out the "Time, Gentlemen, Please" episode, we got some uh, we got some reaction on Twitter from Richard Herring. So maybe if if, if he listens to this or Al Murray, then then tell us, please. But I definitely think that the one with Al Murray as a child, as playing the children, is the one that was filmed on the day because Mm -hmm. we see the setup of "Oh, I'm the Ghost of Christmas Past." And then they, we see them so superimposed, and then we mm. see them at the end. And the costume is all consistent. Yeah. In the reshoots with the little children, the old man's costume, it's the same, but it's kind of wrapped around him differently. You can tell it's oh, different. Mate, this is... This is uh, th- forensic analysis. I've got to be honest. When we when we agreed to do this, I thought we were going to be in a little Christmas fun episode. This <laughs> This is what our listeners want. <laughs> this forensic analysis of different versions on DVDs, this is what the people want. <laughs> well, I don't normally get into this kind of detail, but it was just intriguing. Thing. Merry Christmas, everyone. But why? You don't do that. You don't refilm something just because, well, eh, it didn't look that good. We didn't like it. Not, not in the, not, no, because there's plenty in Time Gentleman Please that looks a bit rough. Yeah, if you're going to start doing that. Plus, it's cost. You've got to get Jenny Eclair back in. Uh, you've got to get two child actors in with all the rigmarole that you comes with that. Got to get the boot polish. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to know why. Because usually, uh-huh. when something's different on the DVD, it's because of a music thing, mm-hmm. music rights thing. But it's obviously not that. What is it? Well, look, I, I, 
I mean, this is this is a like I say, this is the sort of tangent that we exist for. I'm I'm, I'm really sorry to our readers that we haven't got a, a solution to this, uh, this problem that we've identified. But yeah, if anyone knows, or if anyone knows someone who knows, then put Alan out of his misery, please. <laughs> Let's get back to our episode, shall we? So after this uh, after this flashback. Uh, we go back to the pub, and uh, again here we see the ghost of Christmas present, which is Rebecca Front. Hello, <laughs> and we see the ghost of Christmas ah! future, who is played by Leslie, the big fella. Who, frankly, you should have seen this coming. Good joke. <laughs> uh, so then we go into the traditional Christmas story of having to deal with one's relatives. We have a tableau, a table. Um, yes, but is it me or was that were they doing the Last Supper here? Like the way it's filmed with that table, it, there was a couple of times where I thought, "Oh, this is—is is this supposed to be a Last Supper?" But they well, never quite—they never quite crystallise it. No, I don't think so. I well, I think obviously this is a a common problem of your three-wall sitcom, your stage set sitcom, in that you have to face the audience. Mm. So everyone sits around one side of the table. It's exactly the same problem that Old Da Vinci had with the Last Supper. When How portraying the Last everyone? Supper, yeah. Can I have a table for thirteen, please? But one side with no seats against it. What? Yeah. Turn to a restaurant here. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, well, I, I picked up on this particularly because Steve sits on the opposite side of the table with his back to the audience, but no one else does. There's a couple of the chairs mm. there as if Janet's going to sit there. She never sits down, etc. That's because we need to see all the characters, except exactly. Steve, because he's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve sits there and then gets up and kind of storms off for some reason. And I think they were making a token effort to have someone sit there to make it less obvious uh-huh. that they're all sitting on one side of the table and to make it look like, oh, look, they were going to sit there, but they've all run off. Terry comes in and he's got for Christmas, he's got a new scooter. Now, is that topical? Was this like in the in whenever this was made, everyone was getting scooters for Christmas? I, it, yeah, I think it must have been. I would have put it later than this. Because then there's a funny joke. He sort of scoots around the pub. Ah, isn't this great? Isn't this great? And then just goes, oh, I'm bored of that now and throws it away <laughs> great just that's just a classic kid on christmas day <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but now we get the arrival in in real life in real time of uh the gov's mum jenny claire so yeah like you say she's aged up a little bit she's in a wheelchair she's she's basically a sexual predator so she comes in with uh the, a young fella who's pushing her in her i don't know if he's a carer or whatever but she's groping and assaulting him which is establishing her character and she, she is just... I was just thinking of Nigel Farage. <laughs> That's all I was thinking of. Well, I think this is interesting. Like, we're not going to revisit here. that We had a long discussion about the character of, of the Gov and how... Does it really work now when basically Nigel Farage has completely stolen his shtick? You know, in, in the late 90s, the pub landlord was a, a relic, a caricature, and, and now he's a member of the European Parliament, you know? Well... Since we recorded that, both of us have been to see Al Murray doing mm-hmm. his latest stand-up yes. gig as the pub landlord. Yes. So let's revisit it briefly, okay. because I went, I saw it. I was, I saw him at the Edinburgh Festival, yeah. in which he was doing two shows a day for thirty days. Wow, like, ridiculous! And I didn't enjoy it particularly. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I did enjoy it. Uh, I definitely. It's, it's been a while since I've watched just an hour of him doing his bit. I would say I enjoyed it with a sense of nostalgia. I feel like I I enjoyed it because I, I was familiar with the character. And I knew what he was doing. I mm-hmm. trust that Al Murray is doing it correctly. I think if you came, if you'd never seen him before and you came to that as your first thing, yeah. it does not play at all. Like, there think? was no, There was not enough of an undercut of it. If that character was 100% serious and thought all those things, it would no, be no different whatsoever. And I think that's a problem. Interesting. Yeah. You, you need to have the character himself undercut it in some way, and it didn't. You don't think he did that enough? No. No, I don't. And not to mention, there was about 20 minutes of material and like 40 minutes of just crowd work. That's always Which been is way. fine. It's always been his way, but it's the same crowd work he was doing 20 years ago. It's the same bits. It's the same gags. Sure. And it's a bit... Come on, <laughs> like I appreciate it's different every time because it's a different audience. But you've, it's there's like eight or nine set bits he's doing. Yeah, you know, like he's yeah. picking from. When you went to see him, did he have a, an old fella in the audience that he kept going back to? Old time, yeah, a fat yeah. bloke he was throwing Christmas yeah. at. Yeah, married. 
you know, a couple where he insinuated they were having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same stuff he's been doing for 20 years. And I, I, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that because, you know, you go see the Rolling Stones, you want you don't want to see the new material, right? <laughs> but at the same time, it's out on DVD. I can watch it anytime I want. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and, and a character that could be topical and needs to be satirical, needs to be updated. You need to start doing stuff that's working on gender in a different way to the way it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Because our cultural landscape of how we view gender has changed dramatically in 20 years. And the political spectrum has changed so much. Like you're saying, if that character is no longer a parody and it is just someone you could have interviewed on the news, then you need to acknowledge that or change it in some way. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what the answer is. It's an interesting take. I, I think that, as I say, I enjoyed it with that sense of nostalgia. I didn't quite analyze it in the same way. But, I, mm. but I, I, again, I, I say this to you a lot. I don't think you're wrong. I think you look at things deeper than I do. And then you tell me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> no, but that's not true. I did enjoy it. Is, is Al Murray's audience aging with him? Because yeah, well, that's other me, people who are watching this at 30 years old, there's people watching it now at 50 years old. Have they changed? Has that demographic changed? Yeah, certainly. People get more right wing as they get older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how much how much of this is when we were young liberals laughing at it then it was like well, actually that whole yeah the whole toilets thing is a mess, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I found it very interesting to watch that again, and I, I yeah I felt like it, it just it just does not work in the same way that it used to, and I don't know if that's something Al Murray's doing or if it's because the circumstances have changed. Hmm. Well, I thought what was interesting in this scene where we see his mom, the character's mom, hmm. you know, she's basically him but worse. She's homophobic, she's racist, she talks about the gypsies, which she actually says, well, you can say what you like about Hitler, but some of his ideas were all right. <laughs> that was just, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, how, how, I was wondering, like, how basic are we going to get with, like, we need to establish this character as a ticket? Yeah. Although, I, I'll be honest, that line, I didn't like that line, not because it was beyond the pale and you shouldn't say that, but because... It wasn't. It wasn't funny. You got to do a take on. You got to no twist gagger. on that line. Well, the, the 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 previous line. She goes. You know the problem with. It, I don't like the gypsies. They should send them all home. And and the pub landlord goes. You haven't really thought that one through, have you? Like the joke. Yeah, it, that's, that's the, the joke. joke. And and the pub landlord is undercutting that. That's satire. So right? yes, that was my. That was the point I was going to make, which was the mother character is the pub landlord without the the wink to camera. You know, yeah. without the self awareness. But it is in itself a, such a ridiculous caricature performance that we mm. all kind of at least don't, we're all happy to laugh at it and it's okay. Yes. But rather than it being a bit kind of edgy and awkward to listen to. Yeah. And Jenny Eclair doing a fine job. You know, it's that's great casting for that character, isn't it? Like oh, just... yes. <laughs> Jenny Eclair, by the way, first woman to win the Perrier Award as a solo act. What year was that? 1995. Okay, well, that's interesting. So I said Packet of Three was 91. So... Yeah, there she, she was doing well stand-up in 95. How old is the Gov's mum? I don't know. <laughs> She's in an old folks' home, isn't she? And they refer to her as an old lady. When we see Prof's mum later on, it sees they were at school together. Uh-huh. The actor playing the Prof's mum is in her late 70s, so let's assume she's supposed to be 70s at least. Yeah. But the Gov is 32. Okay. And in 1972, she looks like Jenny Eclair. <laughs> so... Like, what's the deal here? What's going on? Once again, this level of forensic analysis is what our <laughs> listeners are here for. <laughs> but I think the, the, the Gov's mum should be like 55. I don't, I don't think it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I think the Gov as a character, well, she's blown it all by bringing dates into those flashbacks, haven't they? Because I think the yeah. Gov is probably supposed to be older than Al Murray was at the time. But he's not. He specifically said what he's Yeah, they've dated it. Yeah, they've yeah. rooted it in time, yeah, yeah. Can we get back to the Christmas dinner table? Oh, yeah, go on. So the Gov, as, an, as a go at the old man, the old man wants to say a little prayer and he says, stop bringing religion into Christmas. It's disgusting. <laughs> then we get, uh, we get, again, people coming in on stage. So Vicky from the brewery arrives, Rebecca Front, who we saw briefly mm. as that ghost of Christmas present, but now yeah. she's coming in in character. And so the little, the little skit that we have here is that Vicky comes in as if it's a normal work day. And she can't get hold of anyone on the phone. And what's going on here? And she doesn't realise it's Christmas Day. And then they invite her for Christmas. 
Are we? What's the? Is she? Is she forgetful, or is she, is she just completely work motivated and doesn't realise at Christmas, or is this a ruse from Vicky because she's got no one to spend Christmas with? And and both of those explanations are a good character development, but it's not clear which, which one, one is it is. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Are pubs open on Christmas Day? I, I don't go to pubs. I just, yeah, pubs are open on Christmas Day. They're open for a couple of hours. Traditionally, uh, and I stress traditionally, in the olden days, the men would go and get drunk while the women cooked Christmas dinner. That was a mm. thing. I remember that being a thing when I first met my wife back in the late 90s. The first Christmas I went to her family's house, I was taken with my father-in-law to the, to the pub and he got me drunk as we went back for Christmas dinner. <laughs> I'm sure that ended well. <laughs> it just seems really depressing. I mean, yeah. As someone who is going to spend this Christmas at home alone, <laughs> I, I would not even dream of going to a pub. Hang on a second. Well, you just told everybody we're brothers, and now you're giving it yeah. a home alone thing. This is your choice. <laughs> well, you're going to be home alone on Christmas Day as well, so let's oh not start throwing stones. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Shall we get back to... So, Let's we're back at Christmas, Christmas, Christmas dinner. The, the, the joy of Christmas dinner in the pub. Our final character arrives. Edna Dore, who is the prof's mum, mm. um, who comes in and she's sort of dressed in a Salvation Army outfit. You know, she's the fundamentalist Christian. Mm-hmm. Now, before we talk about the character and the scene, Edna Dore, has she been in this before? Is this a one-off? Is this just a one appearance? She, 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 she's in about four or five episodes. Yeah, just pops okay. up here and there as the, the prof's mum. Now I know I know Edna Dore as a, an, an old lady. Like she was always in the in the nineties. She always popped up as someone's mom or someone's grandma. Yeah. What, what was her background? Had she been an actor as a younger woman? Yes, but just one of those people who found fame playing old an older woman, basically. Okay. Yeah, very much so. And I had a little look at her CV, and was she, in she was in EastEnders yeah, for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, that was I in the that late eighties when I, I was think. watching it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But she obviously was pretty old then. Uh, and uh, her only kind of regular, lots, loads of just one-off appearances and, you know, sitcom here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Her one regular thing was a few years after this, Eyes Down. Bingo? Bingo. With Paul O'Grady as like a guy who runs the oh, bingo hall. rings a bell, yes. I, I Neil Fitzmaurice that, I that. was in it post-Phoenix Nights. That was like a thing his did. Uh-huh. And uh, Sheridan Smith, is, is she in it? Oh, okay. I think I'm, I'm sort of winging this off the top of my head, I think. So, two thousand six, seven, something like that. But it was, I remember watching that at the time, and it was fine. <laughs> you know, it was all right. It, it didn't last very long. Okay. But it, was, it was solid. So presumably, Edna Dore played one of the old girls playing bingo. I yeah, I guess so. Yeah, she was definitely a regular character, and I can't. I'd like to watch that again. Actually, we'll see. Yeah. So we have the prof's mum. She comes in. She castigates the prof. She makes him paddle himself with what is quite clearly a chopping board. Can I um, listen? I'm no expert, but I don't think he does a very good job of the paddling. It's a very weak bit of it's paddling. It's very isn't it? poor self paddling, and it's not even he's deliberately not doing it because he's trying to. It feels just like bad paddle acting. <laughs> it's, it's very poor paddle acting. That's exactly what it is. Yes, <laughs> it is poor. <laughs> I think you can simulate auto paddling much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a classic comedy bit: an uptight old lady swearing. Oh, and it is a classic. It's a grade one f bomb. Yeah, yeah. So then they end up having a little bit of a scrap. But then the gov, the gov snaps. He breaks, mm. and uh, he he shouts at everyone: "Settle down, sit down. We're going to enjoy Christmas." He stands up to his mother, and he makes everyone sit down, and, we, and they have to. We are going to enjoy this Christmas. And then the final, the denouement, if you will, of this episode is a fart joke. Which is yeah. bang on brand. Yeah, yeah. I do like that the credits roll over a, an awkward silence over Christmas dinner. Like yeah. That's that's your Christmas right there. Boom. <laughs> Traditional family Christmas. Did you notice that there was a banner in the background that said Merry Christmas? But uh, the letters were all made up of like fonts of beer. I logos. did not. That's a, that's a really good detail. Which I think is like a celebrations touch. Because, <laughs> you know, celebrations are made up yeah. of... The word is made up of all things. I think they're just doing that with, with beer. Very good. I, I, bet this, I bet Time Gentleman predates celebrations. I, I'd be interested to know Ooh, how old celebrations are. Because I remember yeah. celebrations being well, launched. I do as well. But and finding I remember it, scooters coming in. An, an abomination. An abomination of celebrations, <laughs> Tub. You've got quality street or nothing. Yeah. If you want a bounty, if you want a Mars bar, buy a Mars bar. Fun size if you must. Any smaller than that is freakish. 
not be tolerated. <laughs> this is your <laughs> these are your hard opinions that we've come for. Yeah, this is the hard talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, time, gentlemen, please finishes with a fart joke, and that feels mm. to me very appropriate. I yeah. did quite enjoy this episode. You know, we picked it apart a little bit, but. It, it was good fun. It was good enough fun, and it, it was a good way for me to start my Christmas celebrations. I mean, that's what we what we said when we talked about Tangible Please. It was funny. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed the characters for for the large part. It's a bit chaotic, you know. You've like there's several elements here that pop in, do a catchphrase, pop out, a hangover from the previous episode. We never see Alex Low again. It's not like that goes anywhere. It's just this two episode uh-huh. arc, kind of messy, but it's it's just a setup to do a couple of gags. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the actual plot bit, which is the Christmas Carol meta, we're not actually doing Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Backstory: the mum, the mum's a, a, a horrible person. That's fine. I, I think you could get a twenty-three minute episode out of that. They yeah. went for ten minutes instead and had about <laughs> everything else. But that's all right. It's just gags. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it it sort of emphasizes to me that time, gentlemen, please is. It's kind of sketchy. It's it's written. Mm. Richard Herring writes a lot of sketches, and it sort of feels that way. It's almost like the Fast Show, where you get the same sketches every week. There's an element mm. of that to it. There's a bit of plot. This is largely what we said in our previous episode, but it's a testament to Richard Herring's writing, I guess, or charm in some way that he can do the same gags over and over again, mm-hmm. and it works, and it's yeah. funny, and it's charming, and you enjoy it for what it is. It's like the Fast Show, isn't it? You know, when the Fast Show came out, it was they'd taken this sketch comedy to its extreme, and you know, clicking through these sketches quick. Well, next one, next one, next mm. one. The criticism leveled at the Fast Show was it's the same bloody thing every week, but it worked. It was very popular. But yeah, that, that's the thing. We're we saying they do the same gag every week. It's the same punchline every week, but mm-hmm. the the fun bit is how you get there. What's the setup? It. Exactly right. I'm implying I've got a massive cock, but what am I? Comparing it to this week, that's the joke. Yes. And how tortured and, and how you see it coming. drawn out yeah, can exactly. get. Yeah. Very nice stuff. So um, I, I hope that our listeners, uh, this has got them into the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Uh, new series will be following very soon in the new year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's underway. I hope that our listeners have a Merry Christmas and get to spend it alone watching <laughs> sitcoms like this. <laughs> Just go to the pub. Ha, ha, ha.